Hello and welcome to In Discovery We Trust. Why did I say welcome again? Oh, that's what you, I was supposed to say. It's interesting. Um, Alright, so. Been in that lovely episode. I want to make sure that uh, we, we rewind so I can re-speak this. <laughs> um, and then they they go to the the beaming area. The transporter room. Thank you. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I know what it was called <laughs> wow okay um, <laughs> hello and welcome to in discovery we trust a star trek discovery podcast today we are discussing magic to make the sanest man go mad i am random educator man ethan and i'm joined by random graphic design man kevin if i have to explain this again i'm gonna throw myself out an airlock if i have to record this again i'm gonna throw myself literally out after all those attempted intros yes which nobody's gonna hear all right, so we are discussing the this episode, which marks the return of Harry Mudd. Episode, um, general thoughts, Kevin, what do you think? Uh, I loved it. Um, it was a really good kind of standalone episode, and uh, it's also a bottle episode. If you, don't, if, a bo- if you don't know what a bottle episode is, a bottle episode is a series that takes, that is an episode of a show that takes place specifically on existing sets. There were no new sets. It was entirely... On the ship itself, there were no new environments or anything like that. So I think it was one of the best bottle shows I've seen mm-hmm. in the. In the so it did have well. an exterior of a spaceship. A new spaceship. True, but that's a, that's a, that's a special effect. It wasn't True. A, it wasn't a set. True. Somebody will have to discuss greatest bottle episodes. Yes, most definitely. Um, I love this episode also, or rather, I should say, I loved three quarters of this episode. Three. I loved. Okay. I loved the the plot by mud i loved what the the crew did to uh overcome mud's plot yep what i did not really like was some of the character development that we got um particularly with burnham and tyler Mm -hmm. um i just wasn't feeling that and a few other things as we go i felt like some of the characters weren't acting in the way that i've come to to expect them to act um however i I like what you said about this is a standalone episode this started off with Burnham talking about settling into a routine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that really set us up for right. expecting a traditional type of Star Trek where it usually is about the routine. We start off, here's the yep. problem, we're going to solve it, there's the end. Well, let me tell you what I liked really quick. I liked that this is a plot device we've seen before where the you know the crew and the ship are going through a time loop. And we've seen it on the, you know, the most obvious one is Next Generation's cause and effect. It happens on an episode of Enterprise. But what I like about this one is that it's being done deliberately. It's being used as a weapon. Before, they were just stumbling upon these phenomena and it was happening. But I like that this is being used as a weapon, as a way of, like, you know, as a way of bargaining. Like, if, you know, like Mud was doing, which right. I loved. It was interesting, too, to learn that this is something Mud has used for his criminal enterprise. I didn't realize that Mud was so savage. Right. Well, we could argue that he was killing them knowing that they eventually wouldn't be killed, maybe. Right, but still. But, yeah, right. He took a certain joy. Because in... in the other episodes that he's been in, in the original series, he, to me, he was never a threat. He was like a nuisance. 
Right. Right. And now he's a very dangerous man. Now he's a dangerous man. Like, he's out getting revenge. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, he did say at the end of the other episode, you know, you haven't seen the last of me. Because Lorca left him behind on the Klingon ship. Right. And and I was kind of like, oh, yeah, whatever. I would argue that Mud has um, reason to come at Lorca this intensely. Right. I would say uh, it was very harsh of Lorca and not really uh, becoming of a Starfleet officer to leave a well, who is a civilian. I don't know what planet he's necessarily from. Right. Um, but to leave a civilian in the clutches of the Klingons is that's that's harsh too. But well, we know Lorca's harsh. Yeah, he is. But I don't think that Mud was giving presenting much of a case to Lorca to be rescued because he was kind of a scumbag on that ship. So the, I feel the jury is still out on that for me. I'm convinced there's something up with Tyler, though we still have not gotten anything to suggest that. Uh, last okay. episode we discussed a lot. I felt there were a lot of things that came up. This episode, if anything, it's muddying the water and it's making me think now. That's a great pun. Perhaps there's muddying the water. Mm-hmm. Harry Mudd himself would have been proud of that. Hmm. Now I'm not so sure about Tyler. Tyler seemed pretty uh, on the level in this episode. Um, right. But uh, we did learn some things about the series overall, where the tide has turned, Burnham yeah. says. We are winning. So they're winning the war. They are... They're winning the war. So flat out winning. here's something interesting that I kind of observed as I watched the episode. When they're at the disco, disco on the disco, basically, yeah. uh, Tyler makes that toast to those we've all lost. Yes. And I know we've seen it in Battle of the Binary Stars, but outside of that, we haven't seen much fighting between Starfleet and the Klingons. It's all been from Discovery's point of view. So I don't feel like that that message carries as much emotional weight as it's supposed to. Like, you know, there's people, there are people out there dying on the front lines, but we're not seeing any of that firsthand. Right. Well, they did include a veteran in a wheelchair that seemed to have lost the leg or something. Yeah. So that was sort of their nod to that. It's very, it's like a war happening in the background that we're not seeing. I mean, it's it's very unlike the Dominion War, which which we saw pretty up close. And Nog even lost a leg in the Dominion War, so. Right, or even yeah. any of the original film Klingon, you know, wars, yeah. where we, we were very much in the center of it, being on the Enterprise. We are not seeing Discovery fighting any other Klingon vessels. No, except for yeah. the, the rescue, or the... right. However, we classify that. Yeah, I mean, they did fight them briefly when they, you know, were rescuing those, um, or they were supposed to rescue the civilians on that planet a few episodes ago. <laughs> and they forgot to and rescue. They forgot them. to rescue them, basically. But <laughs> um, yeah, that was the only thing we've really seen of Discovery engaged in Klingon, engaged in Klingon ship. So right, and uh, I really enjoyed that scene. I want to see more of that, especially having it materialize in the atmosphere. It was a great scene. Yeah. Um, as we pick up with Tyler, you already jumped to the party, but just before that. Um, she's going through her routine. She says she has one friend being uh, mm-hmm. Tilly, which makes sense. But she also says she sees dignity and kindness in Tyler. Right. Um, also leading me, you know, away from my original thought. Um, but the big thing that I want to pay attention to is that Burnham says that she is among her crew, but apart because of her past. And I wonder if this is going to be kind of the, the new normal for Burnham. It will be this struggle of... How can she fit in? How can she relate to her crew? Or are they accepting her? Are they not accepting right. her? So I'll keep an eye on I that. I think they are, because Tilly definitely is. I mean, I think Tilly looks at her as a role model, um, even though Tilly knows who she is and what she did. And I like that Tyler is also kind of taking a liking to her, too. So I think she's forming a little bit of a group mm-hmm. relationship. However, people, but 
what are Tyler's motives? I mean, that's a good question. The, the, the jury's out on that one. I mean, we still think that Tyler's potentially a Klingon. So, uh, I don't know. I mean, for the sake of argument, if he is a Klingon, what does he gain by getting close to the person who history will know as starting the war with the Klingons? Right. Getting close, perhaps, to... Learn what? I mean... To, or to... I mean, capture her, in some capture way, her or something. Or... I don't know. I mean, you know, Tyler. I, I would think that Lorca would be the better choice because Tyler's getting tight with Lorca. So I don't know if he has anything to gain from Burnham in terms of, you know, Klingon motivation. I don't think. Well, we had, did learn yeah. her value at the yeah. end of this episode, which surprised me. I didn't think of that that she would because she did kill Tukumva. Whether whether or not the Klingons are following Tukumva's right. uh, teachings, I'm sure they're still using him as a rallying cry and a unless, martyr. Unless Tyler just wants to kill her at some point, who knows. Right, yeah. right. Um, so, this looping of the half an hour is framed by the party, mm-hmm. which you mentioned the speech given. I didn't like the party scene. It left out a no. left me a big ug every time. Why? Here's the thing. I feel that I, I do not expect that type of a party uh-huh. on a Starfleet vessel in the future. I mean, that was a... It was like a nightclub. It was, it was like a, a college party. They were yeah. playing quarters or, or some sort of beer pong. Beer pong, yeah. I don't... I think beer... I, well... Right, if, if we move past prejudice and um, bigotry mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, wealth inequality, can't we move past beer pong? <laughs> but beer pong's fun. Right. Um, <laughs> so and then I started thinking... Maybe even binge drinking would be, uh, you Could know, be a thing simple. in the past. But I thought about Scotty, and Scotty was quite the binge drinker. Yes, and by of course next gen's time they have Synthahol, so which is alcohol just without the adverse effects. Right. Yeah. It was, something about the party felt felt far too contemporary. No, I know what you mean. It d- does feel strange. I mean, even when they would have parties on the other shows, it something didn't feel right. But th- they weren't to the degree that this one was. I mean, yeah, it was like walking into a, it was like a nightclub. Right, but a nightclub yeah. that we could walk, go to over by BU and walk into Boston right U- now. Boston University, by the way. Oh, yes. Um, true. I mean, hell, let's knock off and go do that. I don't know. I'm used to far more subdued affairs, mm. where you have Whoopi Goldberg serving cocktails. Yeah, they would always have like a... chatting. It was, <laughs> yeah, I think in, 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 in Trek's past, they've usually, they've generally been like cocktail parties in 10 Forward or the mess hall. Not like... Yeah. Unless it's Scotty yeah. in his room just pounding some sort of scotch because maybe sometimes he does that yeah perhaps um so from the party Mm -hmm. we encounter we start the first encounter with stamets which i have to say uh anthony rapp great great acting in this episode killing it fantastic hilarious this is the first episode i think where i'm really taking a liking to all of the characters finally like not to say i didn't like them before but like i'm begin- i'm just beginning to like them a lot more now i just feel like they all kind of came into their own on this one i think so too yeah. i i like the new um the new stamets yeah i was i was initially put off by stamets because he was just kind of a i thought he was kind of a jerk but uh in the context of how he was introduced it made sense but i like i yeah i like the new stamets basically Right, and it yeah. seems as if him being a jerk earlier was a setup for this character progression of his once he gets to 
the f- DNA. The funny thing is, you know, with this repeating time loop, he is almost the Guinan of the episode. Like, he's the one who notices something is wrong. You know, kind of, kind of like on yesterday's Enterprise when the timeline shifted, Guinan sensed it immediately and knew something was off because she had a, as Data said, you know, speculated, perhaps her species has a perception that goes beyond linear time. And I love that Stamets had something similar as a result of, as we think, you know, the spore drive. Absolutely. Yeah, being connected to the tardigrade, basically. So I, I loved, I, because the problem is when you have episodes like this with a repeating time, you have to have something to sort of, you got to have something, an object or someone to kind of break the, break the loop somehow. So some, somebody has to be aware of, you know, of all of it. Right. And I felt that there was a fantastic scene of pure exposition when Burnham and Stamets were walking and he just laid it out. There's a time loop. I'm because I have the DNA of a multidimensional creature. I'm immune to this time loop because I am outside of time. It was, it was a great trick. Like here's all the, the babble of the techno what's happening. And it, but it made perfect sense and it fit in. They got right into it. Like they didn't, it wasn't something that had to happen a few times before somebody realized what was going on. You know, again, like cause and effect. Right. Yeah. And I can remember watching Cause and Effect, like, in syndication, like, you know, not when initially, yeah, but, like, much later on. And if, if you'll permit, if you're just, like, one minute, if you remember that episode, you know, the Enterprise was getting destroyed repeatedly, but it would, they would set it up, it would get destroyed, it would go to commercial, then it would, like, start up again from, you know, set it up, destroyed. I think it happens, like, three times, and me, as the viewer, I'm like, I'm like, is there something wrong with the episode? Like, is this not being broadcast correctly? Why do they keep playing the same... Like eight minutes over and over again. I don't get it. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I wonder. And they got around it, but later on by like switching the camera angles. But it was the same. It was the same right. thing every time. Now, does CBS All Access has periodic commercial breaks? Correct. They do. They I did wonder... not do it the same way. Okay. Yeah, they Where did not do it the same way. Commercial no. to commercial is one loop. No, no, no. They didn't. It do seemed it that like way. with Next Gen, perhaps they were having some fun with the medium, knowing that there would be. Well, and I think, you know, and, and, and again, you know, to kind of go on that episode for just a second, the writer of that episode, uh, Brandon Braga, you know, went on to say that at the time, people thought that was actually happening, like there was something wrong with the broadcast and people were calling up the TV stations wondering if something was wrong. But he even said like that was like a, at the time, that was like a fresh new sci-fi element that nobody had ever done before. It was like so revolutionary and it's it's true. It makes sense, yeah. especially to have it be done in such a way that you actually would be confused and Right. And I felt in this way ahead of its time. I couldn't no see anyone being confused in this. Way ahead of its time, not trying to be funny here, but way ahead of its time. <laughs> um So this leads us to uh Stamets telling them that it all well, this is the first time through actually, so it all starts with a Gorgamander. First we see a Gorgamander, correct? Yes. So alright, here's my theory that I'm pretty sure is right. Gorgamander, did it remind you of any other creatures that you've seen in media particularly its mouth flaps stranger things exactly now yes. that's a demogorgon this is a gorgamander okay i think it's a it's a i don't nod. know i don't know the difference but <laughs> well a gorgamander is the one from discovery right and demogorgon is the oh, creature oh, oh, on you're saying, oh yeah yeah stranger oh, I, things. I, I, that makes sense yeah and Discovery aired on Sunday, and Stranger Things two came out the Friday just before the two right. days before that. So yeah, maybe. But we found the we met the the Demogorgon in season one, so they could have put it True. in as a nod. And the fact they both have Gorg in their name, I think it's yep, it's too close. Yeah. Um, anyway, though, I thought 
Mud's plan was totally brilliant. Mm-hmm. When they were scanning it, I was I was surprised. I didn't know what was going on when it opened up, and then someone came out that Stitch I saw the right helmet, up. and I thought, we're going to see our first Andorian. I know oh. it, because I saw the two bits, and that must be what an Andorian helmet would I have look to, like. I have to confess, it never even occurred to me. I'm like, I looked at it, and I'm like, what's with the ridiculous, like... Baxter Stockman insect-looking helmet. What is that? Yeah, no, yeah. I think it might have been. He, he probably stole a ship from some Andorians. Probably. Yeah, most likely. Andorian scum. <laughs> but it was not an Andorian, alas. Maybe he stole it, maybe he stole it from Shran. Shran. I don't know the mm. lifespan of an Andorian. No, but I like to, I, let's hope Shran is still around. Hopefully. He's... Yeah. It'd be funny if Shran shows up and comes after him. It would be great, or, or invasive. That's, by the way, who I want to see on the show the most. Around I want to see. Anyway. I want to see Tapal. Yeah, Tapal and Tran are my two. So I really liked as the ship blows up and we start having these repeats. Yep. The conversations between Burnham and Tyler were slightly different each time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that was that was really interesting because nothing had happened to cause that. Right. It just seemed that there was kind of this, there was a randomness to the universe, there was a randomness to life that was showing up there. Right. I didn't notice that, actually, I will confess. I didn't notice that the conversation was slightly different. They were mildly different each time. Oh, okay. As they walked. Uh, so then we start getting the convincing from Stamets mm-hmm. and explaining to everyone. This is, so as I said, I like 75% of the episode. One thing that fell into the 25%. Was when Stamets asks Burnham for a secret. Yeah. It fell totally flat for me. I thought she was going to tell him about the Vulcan Academy. That seems like more of a specific type of secret that would have actually worked. I think anyone can assume she's never been in love. It's not so much that it's a secret. As a plot device, your problem is what the secret was. My problem is what... That was a good plan, but I didn't like that it was such a general broad secret i know it was meant as a character moment for us to learn right. more about the character but it just seems i think i could have guessed that she's never been in love i think stamets could have guessed what i liked about the secret not the secret itself but like the secret as being like the way they're kind of connected to is that that's almost like writers have clearly seen again cause and effect and they were like when the when the crew was experiencing deja vu they said you know we have to figure out a way to kind of um, uh, you know, link the two times together, and you know they did that with the number three. I think it was. It was on like the it was the pips on uh, Riker's rank as three, and that's what Data used to kind of uh, you know break the the chain. But I love the fact that it was almost like it was almost like Stamets was like, yeah, I know exactly what to do. Like this is how, this is how we have to do. It. We have to do this immediately. Like they didn't want to do any setting up of that. They just wanted to say, just tell me a secret, so we so I know that we've had this conversation before. Right. It's the only way I can prove it to you. Yes. They didn't like spend much time like trying to figure out how to do it. No, it made perfect yeah. sense. It's, it's almost like Stamets had seen in the episode of Next Generation before. <laughs> it's just, when I thought about it, I imagined if I were walking down the street and someone came up to me and said something, a secret like that. Yeah. You've never been in love. That means we're in a time loop. I, I would just, what? It just doesn't make any sense. Where yeah. if they had said, you know, when you were three years old, this thing happened that you've never told anyone. Then... I would right. go with something it. So, very specific. Yeah. Yeah. So something about that fell flat for me. Okay. And the fact that that was her secret. Okay. But it worked. But it worked. It got it got us through the. <laughs> it got us into the next uh, into the next time. So. 
Yes. So we've got Mud, and as you said, he's a savage. Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoyed some of Mud's trash talking that came up. Yes, definitely. And some of it was quite hilarious. Um, I was sort of fuzzy about his whole plan and yep. how he got control, but I guess with infinite tries it would work. But I really liked he's, when he said, uh, there are so many ways to blow up this ship. It's almost a design flaw. So can I tell you really quick, just like a quick side story. So uh, when I watched this episode on Sunday, I watched it with two buddies of mine. One has been watching Discovery since day one. My other buddy had not seen any episode at all. So the three of us were watching it, and uh, my buddy, who had never watched the show before, when Mud appears and he takes the helmet off, the first thing he says is, oh, of course it's Dwight from The Office. Right? That's who Rain Wilson plays, right? Right. But when, as the episode was like, and he was like really into it too, like he loved what was happening, and so when the episode ended, I actually said to him, so what did you think? And he's like, Having never seen anything before it, I thought it was fantastic. Like, he was so into the storyline and loved the way it played out. And all of those elements in that kind of storytelling, I think, were, like, kind of new to him. So he was, like, totally into the show. And I loved that I was able to kind of almost experience it through somebody else who had never seen any episode of the series or even Trek, really. Oh, none. Wow. None. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I think this is a great um, intro episode for somebody. Right. It's very self-contained. Right. Aside from... All this laying the groundwork for the relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, I found that was the part that was a little lacking for me. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, Mud, like I said, I never knew Mud could be such a savage. It's not... I didn't... I actually... So he doesn't... Uh, he does appear in the trailer for this episode, but, like, I never really put the two together that, like, he was the person that stepped... He was the alien, quote-unquote, that stepped out of out of that creature. I just didn't think that that's what it was. I was like, why... I was like, why is he even there? Okay, right. I, never even, I don't know why, it just never occurred to me that he could be the one responsible for that. Huh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess we would not expect, yeah, that it does seem, like you said, this is a plan that seems out of scale for what we know of Mud. Yes, and that's and maybe if that's what the writers were intending, then with me, mission accomplished. Good job. They got yeah. me. Um, so 53 times he kills Lorca. 53, and he enjoyed it every time. Except the last time he got a little bored, I think. Yes. Um... Uh, the death montage with the four different deaths was interesting. Yep. Um, I didn't understand when he waved his hand and then he beamed out. He beamed the him window. out. Yeah, that was a little odd. But yeah, I didn't know that was whatever. Hand if they can, if there's hand beaming. Mm-hmm. You know, hand gesturing to beam somebody out. Another thing that I love about Mud, well, his confidence was fantastic. He because he had been doing this, because he had been going through this so many times. Each time that we encountered him. It was hilarious. His control of the situation just came through. And I love the nicknames he was throwing down for people. Yeah. Uh, some that come to mind are Beanpole, Lanky, called Burnham Petunia. <laughs> those were fantastic. Um, yeah, those were really funny, actually. I, I was kind of like, wait, I'm like, wait, what did he say? Petunia, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Petunia. The mud has his um as we start to learn about the backstory and how mud maybe has done this before because of what tyler learned interesting that he robbed a betazoid bank yep betazoid bank using a non-equilibrial matter state time crystal which now seemed a little magical to me seemed a little magical you know obviously it's just done for this episode but i would think that these time crystals could be more valuable than say the spore drive it's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Any you criminal... could use them to. St- what if Burnham uses one to stop what she did? 
Right. Wouldn't shouldn't every Prevent Enterprise ship have one? a time crystal they can kick on whenever something bad happens? Right. I mean, if are they a product of the temporal cold war? Who the fuck knows? Oh, the temporal cold war. Which we all uh, maybe they're illegal according to those guys that wear the rubber black suits from Enterprise. Oh, maybe so. Maybe That's so. probably it. They're outlawed. Yeah. Too dangerous. I mean, Mud has them, so why not? Right. Makes sense. <laughs> Makes sense. Um, Random communications officer man, of course, is another yes. nickname used. Random communications officer man. <laughs> that was hilarious. And it was also a little, um, I feel, a little meta joke about the show. Where yes. Now, but that actually does bring up something I've been noticing. Okay. This show, more than any other Trek show, is very hyper-focused on a small number of the crew, a small number of characters. Yeah, because in the other shows, you have your captain, you have your first officer, you have your science officer, you have your doctor, your transporter chief... Chief engineer, that sort of thing. Communications officer. Exactly. Navigator. And, and here we've got, we've got but Burnham. But this one, we don't have everybody in those roles. No, we've got Burnham, Tyler. Like, we have a doctor, but he's obviously not a main character. Right. Tilly. Yeah. Yep. Lorca. Yep. Saru. Saru. Yep. That's pretty much it. You said Stamets? Oh, Stamets, yeah. 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 Now, the funny thing for me is that the... So... The camera keeps cutting to someone who works on the bridge. She ha- I've been talking about it since the first episode, because she was also on um, the Shenzhen? Shenzhou. Shenzhou. The one with the cranial implant. The one with the cranial implant. Yes. She's been there since the beginning. Right. The camera will frequently cut to her. She was at the party making out with a gentleman. Yep. And you think yet she has-, she has had nothing to do. I don't believe she's had a single speaking line. I want to know that character. You think she has a story? I hope so. She's got a cranial implant. Don't all characters with cranial implants have Well, a story? she didn't have that on the Shenzo. I think it's a result of that. I promise I think, you she didn't. Okay. Well, then that's even better, right? She's right. suffered at the hands of Burnham and she hasn't had a, a right. encounter. I, I assume that cranial implant has something to do with what happened to the Battle of Binary Stars. Yeah. I thought I it was, she was there. I assume she was injured from the Shenzo, but... So that would make even more sense. That's a character I would like to see have something yeah. to do with Burnham. I forget her. I can't remember her name. I can't either. I don't I'm know like, that we know I'm her like, name. No, we do. I just forget what it is. I know that Burnham, because when, Bur- when Burnham saw her on Discovery, oh, she, she, was very she mean called her, her out by name and she kind of gave her the cold. I just don't remember. That's what, right. That's I right. just don't remember what her name was. That's right. So they did have yeah. one encounter. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I thought she's such a distinct looking character that mm-hmm. I feel in any other show would be, have a, you know, more to do. Right. I hope she gets more to do. Um, also, the, we've been seeing this character, uh, a white, very white almost borg like white skin and with some machine gray parts on their face not the robot oh is that a robot (laughs) is that the one who kind of signaled random communications officer man to go after mud and mud stopped him that guy the one who kind of nodded i'm not sure okay it definitely has very white skin and gray sort of panels on its face maybe the same character i don't know another interesting character i'd like to see more of that character also yeah well, I think that the, the background players in the show are far more diverse because you see, pe- they're not all human. You see people with like, you know, implants or like aliens or different colored skin or something like that. And I think that that's, I love, who's the guy in, um, I don't mean to get off topic for a second. Who's the guy in Empire Strikes Back at Cloud City with the, with the thing on the ball guy with the thing on the back of his head? Oh, it's Lobot. Lobot. So they're on the Shenzhou and I think you see them on the background on Discovery. There's yes. people that look like Very that. Lobot. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I noticed yeah. that. So, but I like that the, the there's much more diversity in the background plays, which I think is really really cool. It's not just yeah, know, not just that's humans. true. You but know, there on, are on, some random communications officer man. True, but like on Voyager, it's like oh hey look, there's a 
Bullion, or those that's are fair. Vulcan. That's it. There's always a couple of backgrounds on the, even on the, um, yeah. the bridge. Right. But right. I wonder, has it been the same random communications officer, man? Or has that changed? I didn't I, even notice. I, I, I never noticed that random communications officer, man, before today. Or before I saw the episode. Yeah, interesting, yeah. too, that the communications officer is not a player on this show. Hmm. Hasn't the communications officer generally been a player? Like, you know, Hoshi? And, Hoshi, uh, Uhura, I mean, there wasn't really much of a, of a communications officer on Voyager or Deep Space or Next Gen, but, like... Well, Next Gen, wasn't that sort of... Um, Counselor Troy was sort well, of a she communication was, person. No, not really. It was just sort of like the commu- the communications officer was just the glorified like operator. You have yeah. a call, here you go. But like on the other shows, it made sense on Enterprise, but like on Next Gen, Deep Space, Voyager, it was sort of like anybody can handle. You know, Tuvok, right. Tuvok would say they're hailing us, or Harry Kim would say they're hailing yeah, us. Yeah, like on screen. Yeah, I mean, and then that was it. Yeah, that was it. Right. And they would just bring in Troy when they needed to sense their emotion. <laughs> Correct. As a lie detector test. Yes. Anybody, it was it was sort of like in the later shows, who's just who's going to pick up the phone and say, it's for you. You know? That's right. kind of what it was. That's fair. Yeah. So. Uh, so then we move on to the final plan, where they really have figured out what's going on, and um, they start to come up with a way to take down mud. Yep. Which I think is insanely cool, like, you know, turning the tables on him. Like, I love the fact that, you know, Burnham had to force him to reset the time by killing herself. Right. That, that was, was so cool. That was brilliant. Yeah. Now... And he's like, you know, he's like, oh, damn it. And he had to... Right. Now, that was a gamble because she had only just convinced him seconds earlier that yeah. she was valuable. Right. Uh, but she did it to save Tyler, which goes back to this budding uh, relationship between right. them. They right. share a kiss right. that they don't remember, mm. but they hear about. Right. Um, I mean, one thing I think we should establish is that the whole reason Mud is doing this is that he wants to sell the spore drive to the Klingons. Right. And he claims to have people lined up that are yes. going, uh, Klingons lined up that are yes. going to buy yes. the spore drive. Because they know there's something up with the Discovery. They've been getting their... their Butts kicked by the discovery for a while, and they want it. Not that we've seen that, but you know. No. <laughs> so I think we can put a pin in the um, Tyler Burnham relationship. As I said, that's the part that I didn't love. Right. And um, we we see that it's developing. We see that they like each other. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't say that I'm totally into that relationship just yet. Um, like I said, I'm only just getting to like some of the characters now, so me as a viewer, I'm not kind of ready yet for it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hope I it always... happens, but I'm just kind of like, there are far more interesting things happening. Yeah, um, so I want to spend some time with the characters, you know, in the stasis that we right. kind of like them. Right. One observation that I, that I want to make outside of that is, I said it in my intro, you know, my favorite line of the episode is when Stamets says to... To burn him. If I have to explain this again, I'm going to throw myself out an airlock. That was great. And this goes it to was the, great. the new Stamets. I yes. love the new Stamets. But what I love about that line is that that also speaks to me as a viewer. It's like, if I have to see this again, I'm going to throw myself out an airlock. Like, he's tired of explaining it. I'm tired of seeing it at this point. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. once every time that that um, what Wyclef song would start, ugh. Okay. <laughs> right. this part, and especially since I didn't like the party scene, it was... Right. It was sort of torturous. And, and for poor me. Stamets, he has to go through the whole thing every single time. And yes. it's frustrating as hell. 
Right. Yeah. Right. And me as a viewer, it's frustrating to watch. Right. Like, oh, Jesus. Like, even, again, like, cause and effect, I'm thinking to myself, after the third time the Enterprise is destroyed, I'm like, when the fuck is this going to stop? Right. And we watched, When is somebody going to realize this? We, we watched six times through this on yeah. this episode, because right? I kind of marked my notes with the time. So Was six it that times many? Through. Six times? Yes. Wow. And one time, Stamets and Burnham decided to dance. And learn, teach Burnham how to dance. I guess if you have all the time in the world and you know it's going to repeat, you may as well right. teach someone to dance. I found and it an odd choice. So, I gotta say, I love that moment between the two of them dancing in the corridor. I thought that was great. Nice. I, I love that. That was so, it was just so, it was so sweet. You know, I love that. I love that moment so much. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I hope they really, I hope they, they do become friends in that way. It would be good. Yeah. And I can yeah. see that the point was that she needed to be able to dance in order to convince right. Tyler that this was real. And so that's what she had. She had to learn how to be at a party, which I also found that very interesting at the beginning. That yeah. Although she would rather face the Klingons than face a Burnham, party. Burnham, I think, is out of place on the ship. But not just because of her history, but I think she's also out of place as a sort of person. You know, she doesn't know how to... Strange parallel, I think. Not one I was expecting. Because she doesn't really know how to act at a party, there was it was the same case like with Seven of Nine on Voyager. Whenever there would be like a function in the mess hall, she just she either wouldn't go or she would and she'd just be standing there because she didn't really know how to interact with anybody. She didn't really have the skills to do that. And the doctor would sort of like try to encourage her to be sociable, but she didn't know how to and you know I don't know. I just found it a very kind of similar type of situation. Yeah, yeah. I can definitely see that. Even yeah. just being a Vulcan, that type of a party must seem highly illogical to someone. Well, and Tuvok, Vulcan or not. And Tuvok was kind of the same way on Voyager. He was always, you know, he would say, you know, I think he has one line, I think, that says, you know, Vulcans do not fraternize. Right. Yeah. Whereas Spock would be there and he would sort of be the butt of the joke. That was his right. role in those type of situations where yeah, he exactly. wouldn't get it and it would be funny and Bones would call him out on it or something like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Which is a nice dynamic. Yeah. The final plan, when it comes together, it was only on the second watch that I realized how brilliant what the crew had come up with really is. Yep. So one thing that they did is they let him hail the Klingons once, mm-hmm. knowing that they were then getting the information that they, I think that they needed of what his plan was and how he was going to execute it. So then they could come up with their counter plan. So right. they let him get close. And I think the Klingons were actually on their way one time. But then when Burnham swallowed the uh, oh. molecule ripper, yeah. forced him to end it, even though he was so close. But I think they had to let him get close so they would know what was going on. So they knew how to set him up the for time. the return of his dear sweet Stella. Yes. Yes. Um, another thing that they did to make this happen, which... And, you know, I try to uh, suspend my disbelief sometimes, but there were a lot of systems that came up that were non-vital, I think was the word they were using or something. Mm -hmm. Suddenly, all the systems that he would have used are non-vital. That's non-vital. You should have checked that. That's non-vital. Also, they rewired the captain's chair. They rewired the captain's chair. Whatever that means. Yeah. Well, and Tyler did it. Right. Just to cling on undercover. Well, yeah, that wouldn't make sense to be to cling on undercover, would it? How would he know how to rewire a captain's ship? Which apparently the all the systems run through. There. I guess that makes sense. Well, I mean, he's on the ship, so why not? Why wouldn't he know how to do that now? Okay. Yeah, he's been on the ship for a few weeks now. So that brings us to 
the final um, execution of the plan. Yep. Where first, it, I thought this was great acting on mm. Isaac's part. Is that Lorca has to pretend to go along with the plan. Yep. And and make a deal with them. And you could see the disgust on his face. He couldn't even act like he wanted to go along with this to make right. to sell the plan. He just right, right, could right. not. Yes. Um, it was fantastic. I love that. Everybody shook his hand. His whole body just kind of contorted. Like, oh, I'm shaking this guy's hand. I can't believe it. Yep. <laughs> that was fantastic. Um, so they, they set him up. They're on their way. And then they, they that's when they spring it on him when they're on their way to expecting he's going to get the Klingons. And mm. they, they let him know what's really happening. And yeah. they, once the time expires and his... his I guess this time crystal disappears. That was yeah. interesting. Because he, he's like, okay, now but now I've got them, basically. There's no way out. Yes, there's no yeah. way out. I can let the time expire. Um, and then they they go to the the beaming area. The transporter room. Thank you. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I know what it was called. <laughs> wow okay um <laughs> oh boy and then they, they really surprise him by his dear sweet stella right and they know exactly <laughs> his history so you you ran out with the di- the dowry that was paid to you to marry dear sweet stella from her right. father the baron who's very very rich yep uh it was brilliant <laughs> and then she pops in or is beamed in rather right and um she uh I was really hoping she didn't do it. She didn't say the full line. I was really hoping she was going to say the full line from the episode when she's like, you know, hardcore, fented mud, what have you been up to? Oh, it would have been fantastic. Uh, yeah, I mean. But I can see now why. But she says, where have you been? And that's one of the things she does say. She did, so she didn't say the whole thing, but she said part of it. But, and strangely enough, uh, this is just a slight observation, Stella seems to have aged pretty rapidly in 10 years because by the time I mud comes around, she's like, you know, it looks like she's about in her fifties and this one looked like she's about 25 years old. 30. Yeah. Yeah. It's the Obi-Wan effect. I guess. Yeah. Maybe she just gets, maybe he just drives her so crazy rapid aging or something. Like yeah. That. Or they're yeah. in a planet that's really close to their sun and it goes real around a lot. So there's a lot of years. Maybe. I don't know if that's how time works, but I'm assuming no it is. Um, so then we've got, uh, I love how he tries to talk his way out of it. Even with that, right. my dear Stella, I am a man that has certain blemishes on my character. Right. And I wanted to eliminate them. It was great. And then I couldn't tell if Stella was angry, if she knew that he was bullshitting, or no. if she was really just, oh, that's fine, it's okay. Yeah, she wasn't the, not that she had to be, but she wasn't the the Stella we were introduced to in iMud. You know, she wasn't like the... Right, but yeah. if she lived another ten years with this guy yes. acting like this, I yes. can understand why. Most likely, yes. <laughs> and I was watching with with my wife, and she asked, "Why? Why is he going to stay? Why? Why would she expect that he uh, Mud would actually stay when they take him back? Is he just going to run away again? So I, I hope he does run away again because I want to see more of him on Discovery. Right? Yeah. I, I, do you think that? Yeah, that's 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 the thing I was wondering, like. Is this it for now? Do you think, like, could he come back? I mean, does it feel like his story's wrapped up for a little while? I hope not. Yeah. I hope not. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll have to see what happens, but he's a too great of a character Yeah, to let go. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that is Trek. 
we encounter characters for maybe sometimes only one episode of great character right. and then that's and it. And then they'll come back in the most random moments. Very random, rare are the random moments, yeah. Very rare are the characters that achieve a Q status. Yeah. Of course, absolutely. Um, so at this point, oh, let me get the the father. The I'm bear. sorry, I'm still on the on the beaming area. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's making me laugh a little bit. I don't mean to. Yeah, no, this. it's um, <laughs> you know, that's the thing when you talk right. for a long period of time. Sometimes you your your mouth gets ahead of your brain, right? And you know you do the best you can. It was the pause before it that was right. The, the, As my the, brain was searching for the correct term, and all it came up with was beaming area. Uh, oh, man. It's probably what it was called you yeah. know, in the blueprints of the first starship. Right. <laughs> Ugh. So, anyway. the father steps in and he said, I would do anything to make my dear sweet Stella happy. And, and right. now he's really screwed. Because now he's in debt to the father. The father says, I'm going to wipe out all your debts. Now, here's a very strange encounter. The Baron says, how can I repay Starfleet for their assistance in returning my, you know, absentee son-in-law? Right. And at this point, Tyler mm-hmm. says, just keep him away and we'll consider your debt paid. Yeah. What's Tyler's position? What's his rank? Uh, I believe he's security chief. Right? Right. I wouldn't that be more of a captain's call to decide how this person is going to repay their debt to Starfleet for what it did? It was very strange. No one else yeah. had a word to say. Tyler stepped in and negotiated with this person in behalf of the entire... What I really found even more interesting here was, at that moment, we got a very satisfying end of an episode that we might expect from a next generation. Yes. They had resolved the situation. Yeah. It came to a head in the transporter room. <laughs> and then we had an exterior, <laughs> and we saw the ship peel away yep. from the Discovery, and the music swelled, and I... Expected the credits to roll. Right. It's not the credits really roll in this show. I I, by the way, personal thing, I love that when the music swelled and we heard like the neck, the the Star Trek theme very softly, and when it cut back to the interior, I, that was great. That it was, was fantastic. I love that. That that to me felt like, yeah, it felt like Trek. Now we're back to Trek because it didn't do that. It doesn't do that in the recent movies or anything like that. No, it doesn't. Yeah. It it was, was, I don't even think they really play that part of the music all that much. And I right. love the fact that. Yeah, and even the was shot great. was very from all the other. You yes. know, it was just here are the two ships and their center of yeah. frame, and it's very simple. And they're yep. just, yep. you know, just showing says, you what's happening. Anybody who says this is not Trek, they're such liars. <laughs> well, we're entitled to opinion. True, but like, they're wrong. <laughs> um, so, so my thought was, all right, this is it. This is the end. And then we go back to more of, um, you know, the seeds of the relationship. Where we have Burnham and Tyler again. And, and I sort of got this sense of, you know, this is, it was almost symbolic of this is what this new trick is. Right. That, that was, you know, your, the old, the other idea of Trek. And now here is this has these continuing storylines and there will be relationships built and things will change. Right. And I really felt that it was yeah. illustrated at that point because yeah. we had that seemed like an end and then more of this well, relationship. And I think this, the ending to me, you know, as we were just talking, like, you know, the music swelling and everything, it felt like, and as I mentioned, it's a bottle episode, it kind of stood, or a bottle episode and an episode that it kind of stood on its own. It felt like the show had a definitive beginning, middle, and end. Like, everything just kind of felt like 
it didn't feel like, oh, more next week. It just kind of felt like everything's wrapped up and nice and everything's good again. A nice bow, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And it, I feel like, and it was like the first, I mean, somebody could correct me, maybe you could, but I feel, I feel like all the episodes before this did not end on a positive note like that. Right? Like, this yeah. one is the first one to sort of end like a... Dun, yeah. Dun, 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 right, dun. right. And then it just kind of... It's very true. Yeah. And and sort of just set us up. Okay, that adventure's over. Let's see what the next adventure exactly. is next time. Right. Uh, and yeah. I did like the way it was bookended by Burnham's uh, voiceover. And then yeah. she ends with the voiceover talking about how she has found her place. Right. And sometimes where you belong is right, I just wish right we, there. I just wish we something. could have an episode end with sort of like, you know, Discovery, you know, kind of flying away there are not enough beauty shots of that ship of it just kind of, i know, you know which is why i think of why i love cruising, that cruising through space i love that of, shot of every, just the barren ship peeling away from the yeah. discovery well the thing is we always see discovery just kind of sitting there it's not you know cruising along basically yes you know at, at impulse or right or and we like never that. see it yeah. um uh you know warp off into the star set or whatever yeah i mean we see it do its you know like it's obviously it has a sport drive but has a traditional warp drive. Right, so I want to see that now. I want to see, see that traditional ship. shot where you see the back of the ship and yeah. then it just boom off that would into just the been distance. One more thing. If that had, to your point, if that had been a next generation episode, it would have ended, you know, with the ship flying away and then the dun 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 dun, dun and you just would have seen the Enterprise sort of, you know, yeah, and become a little dot cruise away or something like that. Yeah, so Yeah, it would be nice to see that. Yeah. That's and it's a small thing, but that to me would be the, the <clears> kind of the cherry on top for that. Yeah, episode. I I just want to see more exteriors of it. Um so, final thoughts for me. Uh, I thought it was a fantastic episode. It's, you know, I'm finding that the show does... I, f- I feel like the show gets better and better every week. Um, this had a minor mycelial web, mycelial web type of thing where the plot just kind of carried over from the other ones a little bit. It was sort of the underpinnings, but mm-hmm. I love that it was a standalone episode. And as I said, you know, uh, my buddy who had never seen the show before was actually able... To get into it with no no knowledge from before. Didn't have to know anything from what happened before. And, you know, I don't know if he's going to continue next week. But it was it was a nice sort of like... It was a very siloed episode that it had you never seen the show before you could easily get into. And I think that, you know, he was a good example of how good that episode worked. Yeah, if, yeah. if, if that person had dropped in on the second episode, they probably would have... Yeah, you know, never come back. So, I will. So on that, and sort of, you know, how I liked it myself. I know I do my one to ten rating, and you may hit the roof, but I'm giving this one a ten. Oh, a ten! Yes, wow. this right now is my favorite episode of the series thus far, and I feel like I'm saying that every week. But well, if they keep getting better, I just I I was so I really enjoyed this one because I think it was because it felt like traditional Trek, you know, as we discussed. It took a sort of Trek trope and sort of spun it around a little bit. So, like, it felt familiar, but it also felt different. It took something, it took a plot device we've seen before and just used it in an entirely different way. And uh, I love that. Absolutely. I, I, I'm i going to give it an 8.5. 8.5. Okay. 8.5. I really liked it. I was into it, you know... The whole episode, it just totally grabbed me. Like I said, there were some character things, and those yeah. are probably just, you know, they're minor little critiques. Yeah. Um, but it was thoroughly enjoyable. It definitely grabbed me more than any of the other episodes. So, as we wrap up, one more point to discuss. We'll do it very quickly. Um, 
We haven't done it every episode, but we have a little thing called Haters Corner, right? Where we right. kind of call out, not really, well, not really call out, but we kind of discuss sort of some of the controversy that the uh, quote-unquote haters have toward the show and how, you know, we kind of maybe take issue with it sometimes. Right, but... and this sprung out of the fact that as the ramp-up to the show was yes. going on, Kevin yes. and I would often chat about some of the ridiculous pre-hate that we were yes. seeing about the show. People that had already made their mind up and were convinced that it was crap and it was worthless. So here's the interesting thing. Uh, when we finished recording the episode last, our episode from last week, we released it the same night. And the next morning, I tweeted to uh, the executive producer and head writer, Ted Sullivan, of Discovery, and I just said, "Hey, uh, you know, uh, we have this podcast. We have a Discovery podcast. You know, would love to get a listen from you." Not expecting any kind of response, and he responded to me, and uh, and I, I showed this to you. So help me with this. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he actually responded and said, "Hey, great podcast. I loved it. Sorry, I don't mean to. We're not stroking our egos or anything like that. But if we are, I don't mean to be." No, he and, did though. And you, I thought you could look I, it up. And I thought it's that, on Twitter. And I thought that was going to be well. The thing is, and I thought that was going to be it. Right. It, right. it, was, it seemed like just a, a more of a polite thing. Yes. But, but then yeah. he follows up with a specific um, about something we discussed. So we were discussing the was it a holodeck or was, was it, holodeck it not a holodeck? Yes. And yes. I asked the question. Yep. Uh, wait, but did they interact with the Klingons? Right. And I didn't think so. And he said, "You were right about." The holodeck, or, or I didn't say that. He said, you're right, they didn't interact with the Klingons, and that was intentional. Right. Meaning that it was not a holodeck. It was some pre-holodeck. It was, he said it was a hologram, like a video game. No, here's where the, hate, here's where the haters right. corner thing comes up. And it's so surprising that this person just found this and immediately was right there to throw the hate. So, yeah, somebody came in and disagreed with him. And... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, whoa, whoa what? Not if they disagree with him. So this is the head writer. Right. Yeah, you're right. Uh, they didn't interact with the Klingons. It was a hologram. And the way this person jumped in was they wrote wrong exclamation point, And then yes. they put their point. So they're right. telling the head writer that you are wrong right. about the show the you wrote. The guy who wrote the damn show. <laughs> but so now here's the thing. After he kind of gave us his feedback and said, you know, and I was like, oh, that's great. So I go away. I'm out because I'm traveling this day. I, I haven't, you know, I'm on my way to the airport. Um, so I'm getting notification after notification on my phone. And I just check my phone. And there's like a huge, there's like an argument going on between Ted Sullivan and this guy. And I'm just like, oh my God, like this is actually, this is still going. And uh, I stepped in at one point and said, well, to the, to the hater, I said, well, the animated series established a holodeck type of uh, area, which... I found out. I couldn't remember what it was called, but it is. It's. I found out after that that it was called the recreational deck or something. I think it was called the rec deck or the recreational deck or something like that. And but when I said that, you know, Ted Sullivan said, "Yes, that's why we felt like we could do it." Mm. And then the hater said, comes back with this with this stuff that says, "Well, uh, Roddenberry, there was like a there was like a lawsuit or something like that 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 they decanonized the animated series. It's not considered canon." Oh. And I came back and I said, and "I'm like, well." Maybe, but Roddenberry still accepted a check for it, for the show. Oh, I'd miss so, this whole part. Um, and, you know, it speaks to the animated series itself that, you know, there was a time where it, it was not considered canon, but other shows have started referencing things to it. Right, because it's it, fun. It is it's canon. a good show. It's, I don't know why, but it is canon. But, like, so this is what we're talking, this is what I'm talking about. Like, I, 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 
the fact again, this is not an ego stroking thing. Saying, hey, you know, Ted Sullivan is in Russia. It's just the fact that he was so engaged with the with somebody who just somebody who tried to detract the legitimacy of the series. I was just kind of right. Blown. I, I, it was great to see the passion about it from yeah. him and the involvement like that. And yeah. I liked one of his, his. I think his best response was something to the effect of, "If." If if everything on this show has to line up perfectly with everything else you've seen in Trek, yeah, then perhaps you're not going to enjoy it ever. Because if, in other words, if you're spending all your time looking, nitpicking the things that oh this doesn't match and the right. serial numbers off, then you know you're not going to enjoy the show. And right. he said, and then another thing he said is, well, that's called storytelling. Whatever his yeah. thing was. Um, whatever the oh, reply that he was responding so to. So I'm looking at I'm looking at this again. So other I'm look I'm going back to the history. So things I missed. So uh, Larry Nemechek, who is a who is a part of the uh, Trek um, alumni, he worked on the other shows. I forget as what. He even took part in this conversation. Oh wow. <laughs> um, he said I was insta headcanon explaining it all all as Lorca's own toy from his room. Not exactly standard twenty two fifty six issue. Ted. I don't know what that means. <laughs> uh, he said it so convincingly. Like. Yes. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know if that means he's on the, you know, he's on the, uh, uh, whose side, whose side he is on. Right. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it's it's, and I will say this too about about this haters corner thing. I was surprised that people have have like that this guy had the the balls to kind of flat out say that to, wrong to Sullivan, but like. This isn't the first time I've seen that. Like, I even saw Anthony Rapp get into it with somebody on his Twitter account. Somebody actually tweeted to him. He's an actor. And said, like, you have no respect for canon He's and He's a great actor, like, but he doesn't like, write the show. What are you talking show? about? Actors don't write the show. Yeah. It's a good thing to remember, everybody. Um, but to the point, I mean, it's like this is at the end of the day. I think we're getting too hung up on continuity and technology. Especially technology, because... As Mr. Roddenberry has always said, Trek is not a show about technology. It's about people. And if you're going to watch it, to, to Mr. Sullivan's point, if you're going to watch it and try to look for inconsistencies or find things that don't exactly line up with the pr- prior history, you gotta, you got to stop. I mean, yeah. look, I, I know in the beginning with this show, I was sort of acting like that, but it, it wasn't getting in the way. But I'm right. like, oh, well, I hope it, you know. Well, we do it for fun. We do it for fun. We do it for fun. For me, it's like I want to. Me, like I want to see the connections. I'm like, oh, how does this tie into you know? Right. I mean, I so I find that that's what I love about most of the things that I love is that right. they have this huge long fictional history that I right. get to think about while I watch it. So I'm not just watching the show that's in front of well, me. I'm bringing in you, all the history of that universe. Exactly. No, you want. And I enjoy that. You want to ensure that it takes place in that world, basically. Right. Yeah, and isn't its own thing. And but if it's a good story, then I will roll with it. I even had one reply to that person. So his initial issue was that uh, his wrong was about. He said wrong. Tyler hit a button that opened a door. Yes. So I I, I wrote to him. I said, okay, if you need an explanation that badly, mm. then this early holodeck can do simple things like switches and buttons, but it can't do AIs or right. or you know humanoids. Or anything that moves. Right. That's too hard. So now now just keep that in your head. And now you can go and enjoy the story. And, and you know, follow the characters and try to enjoy it. And here's the thing too. I, I, I don't like that. I don't like this mentality that just because we haven't seen it. It means it doesn't exist. And what I mean by that is. Look. There was no holodeck in the original series that we knew of. 
right? But just because we didn't see it doesn't mean that it didn't exist. It's a good point. Everything... I mean, we don't see bathrooms in there. <laughs> Every yeah, that's right. Everything right? was and who's to say that the Enterprise, new. that the original Enterprise was was aware of everything or was one that was actually you know it's like the Enterprise wasn't the only ship out in the in the galaxy. There were other ships out there. You know? Some may have um more um some may have more, uh, uh, be more privy to, you know, other technologies than, other, than others. I mean, look, Discovery itself has the spore drive. Who the fuck knows what other technologies it would have that, say, the Enterprise doesn't have? Right. Right? Just because... That does, yeah. Just because Burnham mentions the Enterprise as right. the example of a ship when she's in the hall does not mean that it has every bit of technology, as we know. No, I mean, does every aircraft carrier have the same technology? Not that I'm aware of. Some are older, some are new. I mean, you know. Right. And who's to say, by the way, that what if Discovery has the first experimental... If it has an experimental sport drive, why not an experimental holodeck type of type of thing? Yeah. Or something like that. And... You know, I don't know. Look, the Enterprise, the original Enterprise has a certain number of decks. We didn't see all of them. So does that mean that they don't, they're not real? Does that mean they don't, that they don't exist? I mean, is it only what we're privy to on screen? Right. So... It's it's these little sort of technicalities that just yeah. get to me. So it, it, all these things that are canon that need to be uh, yeah. adhered to yeah. were something new that popped up in an episode at one time. Yeah. So why can't other things pop up in episodes? Yeah. Um, so I think people. I just wish people would be a little bit more open minded and, and enjoy the stories and enjoy the characters and not get too and not get hung up on the on whether or not it fits where it should fit. If it, should, if it fits in that area of the timeline, so. Yeah, I, I think, like I said, I enjoy talking about it. It's fun. I like to know it's all this big universe with this history, but I don't let it get in the way of enjoying what I'm seeing. No. So when we talk about it, just know that we're doing it with love in our heart, not hate. Yes, we, and we said earlier, you know, yeah, we'd love to see T'Pol, we'd love to see Shran, but not, because we love those characters. We'd like to see them, we, you know, they were great. I, I don't, I love Shran to death and I hope he comes back. Yes, and yeah. I just started following Jolene Blaylock on Twitter just to see if she drops any hints about off to shoot a mysterious TV show or anything because no. I want it to happen. I don't think we're going to get anything in season one. No. I don't think so. I think I think we're not going to get... If they're going to drop real... I'm still convinced that we will see the Enterprise at some point, maybe just outside, but we will still see it. It would make sense. You know? Um, there's a war going on there's going to be ships encountering one another so yeah i mean i'm 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 hoping we do it'd be interesting if we do see it what if we see the interior of it it does look like discovery i mean imagine that oh boy then people really freak out i know and i feel like the writers the writers are like i don't know if we should do that right um no i mean look it would be very strange if it did kind of fly by and it looked like the 60s model (laughs) just And then you're like, why does it look like, why is, why does it look like, why does the Enterprise look like some retro ship when, you know. Yeah. But, look, you know, I, I could come up with a wish list of things I would love to see from existing canon, but I think that T'Pol and Shran, for me, are number one on the, are the number one and number two on the list. I, mean, I want to see Archer, Archer and T'Pol for me. I, yeah, I mean, I would love to see connections to Enterprise at some point. I think that would be really, really cool. But I don't think we're going to see, I think when season two gets here, we may get more of, you know that at some point, how could you not drop a huge easter egg like that at some point yeah i like to see baltazar edison also now where is he yeah the cat the, the the i wonder i know that the t yeah. movies in the show are separate now yes but 
I they don't the, think they, that characters are ex- owned by anyone different, right? It's all owned by the it's same. It's all owned by the same Umbrella Company. But like, and 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 in the case of Balthazar Edison, I mean, his past is shared by both timelines because it takes place. It, right. it originates from Enterprise's time, which both. Yeah, he, and maybe shit. he he is a great officer that doesn't go to the dark side. Yeah, so to what, speak. yeah. What happens to him in Kirk's time? We don't know. Um, yeah. What if? I mean, fuck. What if we saw the USS Kelvin? Oh, that would be great. You know what? What about that? When which which only to me, if you if you go back and watch the the first Abrams Trek film and you see the opening of it, and you see the Kelvin Bridge, I mean. Visual, stylistically, I mean, that movie only came out eight years ago. I mean, it would st- oh, it still yeah. fits. It would look the same, you know? Right. And, and, his, and this is what I love about that ship and even Discovery now is that, and, and even the look of the Shenzhou itself, mm-hmm. is that, to me, I all of it does feel like a natural... I, I believe that is one century after Enterprise. It has, you know what I mean? Like, it all yeah. kind of... Uh, yeah, I can yeah, see... Yeah, dovetails Although, into it. I don't think the NX-01 would look that out of place in that world. no but if you look at the like the shenzo it it's designed the lines it yes. it looks like a, na- a, a, a natural evolution yeah, that's of true. the nx01 so. i would even like to see an nx something out there yeah because you know i mean the, let's take the u.s military not all their ships well, the NX, are the built NX, within the last two years true but the nx class vessels are pre-federation so i mean maybe a design of it but they would not be referred to like well, a donate oh they wouldn't be referred to as nx that's yes. true that's true yeah but look the NX-01 Enterprise is in a museum. What if we saw that somewhere? Right. They yeah. established in the oh, that'd be that very, yeah. a museum. So. I, that actually brings up an interesting point. I wonder if we will see Earth. Yeah, we haven't seen Earth yet. Yeah. Starfleet Academy. That Golden Gate Bridge. That would be great. That's also something that comes up in all Trek series. Yeah. Almost. So, yeah, I mean, I know we're going down like a, a rabbit hole here with a wish list of yeah. things we'd like to see. but Fun to speculate. Um, it's just... There's a lot that we can see, but like I said, I don't think we're going to be seeing that in the first season. I feel like the first season, they're just going to try to establish themselves before they, you know, go off and, you know, start bringing in. I feel like if the series ends up getting into ratings trouble, then they'll call in the big guns and try to, you know. Right. But. Right. Ratings we'll see. I'm, 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 I'm hopeful that we will see something. I think we're more most likely to see, at least out, at least in space, is the Enterprise herself. Which I think right. would be really cool. Which would make sense. Okay, that does it for us today on In Discovery We Trust, the Star Trek Discovery podcast. We just want to ask that if you enjoy the show, please give us a rating or a review. Those help us out a lot to get out to more people. Um, we've just got on a, fe- a bunch more um, uh, podcast distributors, so maybe have some new listeners on, from different uh, sources. Yep. Uh, but thanks on. everybody that listens. We've, we've really enjoying doing this, and, and you know, it's and been please, fun to watch the numbers go up. Please, please tweet us at Disco Podcast and email us at indiscoverybetrust at gmail.com. Back to the other thing, like we're on Android now. Is that what it was? Well, so we I guess we were on Android because some we podcast services pull directly from iTunes, and other right. ones you have to put your RSS into. So Got it. we're on Stitcher now. If you were. That's the one I was thinking. Okay. Yes. So we're now on Stitcher. So welcome Stitchers. And I have been in Stitchers this whole night. I'm sure. <laughs> um, all right. We will see you all next week. Thanks for the listen. <laughs>